0: in this particular context, but as I ministered last week and in the process of teaching about the validity of the application of the tithing principle in the New Testament church, I did conclude that I believe with all of my heart that the purpose of the tithe The first purpose of the giving of the church is not necessarily for the facility. It's not so that, as I use these words, so that we will have a wooden stage or we will have a structure or a shelter or a seat to set in or heat on in the uh, heating and cooling system but it is the support for ministry. I believe that as I base my conviction upon the Word of God. 1 Corinthians 9, the Apostle Paul said that God has ordained that they that preach the gospel should live of the gospel. Now, there were, in days gone by, I used to struggle as a young man maturing in ministry. I remember the very first time I ever received an offering in any capacity for ministering. I, I, felt, uh, I felt wrong. I, I didn't know. I, I hadn't meditated upon the scriptures. It just and, and, But as I grew in my understanding and the revelation and I adapted and I understood that it doesn't matter how I feel and it doesn't matter how you feel. What matters is... What God says, and God said in His word that He has ordained it, it is an ordinance in the church that Christ audibly spoke it, that if you preach the gospel, that you should take your livelihood of the gospel. Now I understand, and I made this statement last week that that has been exploited. Oftentimes in our American culture And it is therefore discredited ministry However let me reaffirm to you today For every one individual who has, dis, who has taken advantage And manipulated the giving in his church There have been thousands of ministers That have sacrificed and lived A holy and sometimes even An impoverished life Not that that was the will of God for their life But rather that they sacrificed sacrifice so that the word of God would go forth. So for everyone that's ever taken advantage of the generosity of the body of Christ, there have been thousands that have handled the word of God and handled the resources faithfully. Come on, somebody. That's the truth today. Paul confirmed these words when he said, if we sow unto you spiritual things, is there a great thing that we reap your your carnal things? I believe that my responsibility is to sow spiritual things to you, and part of my responsibility is to teach you about the many, uh, you know, variations concerning money and the handling of money, the biblical economics, and it's not just on tithing and giving. Biblical economics is far greater far more varied than just tithes and offerings. And let me just highlight just a couple of passages that I had written down just real quick. I love this one, even though it is not from the necessarily the law and it's not from the New Testament epistles, but it's from the wisdom of Solomon. Solomon said, honor the Lord with thy substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. I believe in that principle, that we're to honor God. And my responsibility is to teach you that you're doing more than just giving in the offering you're more than you are honoring the lord by your actions you are honoring his commitment to you and his love for you paul said it this way thanks be unto god for his unspeakable gift what was that unspeakable gift christ's death at the cross Let's go further. Jesus himself said that if you are unfaithful and unrighteous mammon, King James English, for money, he said, well, then who will commit to you the true riches? You need to work this out in your own understanding. You need to work this out in your own salvation. You need to stop being bothered by the church talking about finances. You need to stop being bothered by the church teaching principles of faith. You've got to settle the money theology within your own heart. I want to exhort you just real quickly, kind of in a wide variation of scriptures towards resources or money. Scripture does warn of certain things associated with money. It warns of greed. The love of money is the root of all evil. Often, the most often misquoted scripture where we say that money is the root of all evil. Money is just a means of exchange. We could use seashells if we had to. It's not the coin, it's not the currency, it's the heart issue. The love of money is the root of all evil. So he warns us of, uh, of greed. God warns us of covetousness through Christ. Beware, your life does not consist of the abundance of your possessions. You can be highly blessed and favored of God and not have a lot of possessions in your life. Actually, there are times that you'll be without a lot of strife and stress and worry without those possessions in your life. For ancient Israel, they were warned of robbing God through their failing to bring in tithes as Malachi 3 and 8 exhorts them. We are warned in the scriptures of slothfulness in Proverbs 24 and 30. He spoke through verses 30 through 34 about a slothful man who was asleep during the time of his harvest. And that's why, again, your success in life financially is more than just dependent upon whether or not you give in tithes or offerings. You can give in tithes and offerings and be lazy and God's not... Are y'all hearing what I'm saying today? And let's go a little bit further. There's a lack of providing for your household that the Bible warns us of. Paul said, if you don't provide for your household, you are worse than an infidel. Strong language in New Testament theology. Proverbs 10 and 4 says a slack hand or a lazy hand will cause poverty. How about this one? Proverbs 28 and 22. He that hasteth to be rich, poverty shall, be, shall come upon him. Proverbs 13 and 11. Wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished. Listen, I know there is a power ball that's going on right now. And if you were to win, I'm not even going to debate whether or not you should be participating. Just make sure that you remember to pay your tithe at First Assembly of God in Hebrew Spring. And by the way, make a special offering to the Pastoral Retirement Fund. (laughs) But let me say this. if, you are, if you're waiting for that day, let me tell you just real quickly, wealth that comes at, uh, by vanity is going to be diminished. Did you know that 44% of all lottery winners will spend it all in five years? And 70% will go broke and file bankruptcy in their lifetime? But I'm telling you, the wealth that endures is when God blesses you. And you work hard and he favors you and you make good decisions with your money and your resources. The Bible warns us, Second Corinthians, now I'm just feeling Jesus up in here today. I don't know, there's no telling my reverend Leotis may show up before this service is all the way finished. He that soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. So we are, no matter what, you know, remember the widow's might for her. To others that was was just a small gift, but to her that was a great gift. And so if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. Proverbs 22 and 7 says that the borrower is servant to the lender. And so you got to guard yourself from debt. You can be a tither, but if you go out here and sell your soul to the uh, credit card companies, then you're not going to walk in the blessing of God. you got to have some discipline in your life. You got to put yourself in a training mechanism. So, scripture warns us concerning certain applications of money. And this is just a light dusting. I'm not even taking you into one vein just yet. But it also promises us not only does it warn us, but scripture promises us. I love this one. Proverbs 21 and 20 says, There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise. That means that you can be anointed and still have resources. Come on, somebody. You can have an anointing on your life and favor on your home, and God blesses you. Malachi 3 and 10 says, I will open to you the windows of heaven. But God didn't say, he didn't stop right there. Well, I know that word, you know it by heart. I know it was applied to ancient Israel, but we can extract a principle out of it. God said, I'll pour out a blessing upon you to the extent you will not contain it. But he didn't stop right there. He said, he will rebuke the devourer for you. Come on, and he said, and he will. your your fruit will not cast, or your vine will not cast its fruit out of season. It will come to season. Deuteronomy 8 and 18 says, It is the Lord thy God that gives you the power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant in the earth. It's God that gives you the wisdom. It's God that gives you the ability to work hard. It's God that gives you the ability to, to invest. It's God that gives you the ability to store up. Come on, somebody, for your senior years. God gives you that ability to get wealth. Proverbs 13 and 22 said, A good man will leave an inheritance to his children's children. It's okay for you to, upon your death, actually pass something of value to your children. And hopefully the government will keep his hands off of it. Matthew 6 and 21, Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Proverbs 10 and 4, this is the end of the passage quoted previously. A slack hand causes poverty. The end is the hand of the diligent will make one rich. Jesus said, if you are faithful in that which is least, you will eventually be faithful in that which is in much. And Scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things are going to be added unto you. Don't fret. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. Come on, don't lay awake at night sweating upon your pillow and anxiety over your job or over the economy, but trust in the Lord. Come on, somebody. God, the Bible says in his word that the blessing of the Lord will make one rich and he will add no sorrow to it. God is watching over his children. David said in Psalm 37, I was young, but now I'm old, but I have never seen the righteous forsaken or God's seed begging bread. God can take us through the ups and the downs and the highs and the lows from the market crash in China to oil plummets It doesn't matter. God is still in control, and God can bless his own. Come on. Let's read a little further. He said, your barns will be, this is the end of that verse that I quoted to open the service. Proverbs 3 and 9, honor the Lord with thine substance and with the firstfruits of all thine increase. So shall your barns be filled with plenty and your vats will burst with new wine. But in like manner though, and to balance us, the Bible says though that godliness with contentment is great gain. We need a spiritual resurrection of contentment in the heart and the lives of men and women in the church today. Come on, somebody. Because, you know what, little is much if God's favors upon it. If you're contented and you've got joy, the Bible tells us that it's far better to have little with favor than to have much with confusion. And so, again, we need uh, contentment. The Bible also teaches us it is more blessed to give than to receive. We've taught the church so much about receiving, we have forgot what it's like to be blessed in our giving, in our giving and having the ability to sacrifice or... Into- to give to the poor, I'm telling you, God will make a way for you. He'll do something for you. Matter of fact, I love this. Jesus said this. I thought about this verse of scripture to uh, connect it to an Old Testament passage. But the Bible says, uh, Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give to your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet, it shall be measured to you again. You remember that passage of Scripture. Now, in that context, I have to believe Jesus in that agricultural setting with ancient Israel is referring primarily to grain with it being pressed down and shaken together. Have you ever opened a bag of potato chips and been so aggravated? Because you open this big bag so that you could, uh, I won't even go there, eat unhealthy. It's a big bag of Doritos and 140 calories for three chips. And so don't ever read the side of it. But you open the bag and the bag is this big, but there's just a little content on the bottom and you feel cheated and slighted because it's not pressed down. It's not shaken together and it's certainly not running over. But you remember the story in ancient Israel when Ruth, who had journeyed back, or journey to Bethlehem with her mother-in-law, Naomi. And she was helping provide for Naomi because they were impoverished, because Naomi had sold or mortgaged her land when she had moved 10 years earlier. And Naomi is aged and she can't provide for herself, but Ruth goes out in the field and according to the Mosaic law, she begins to glean. And the Bible says that Boaz, the owner of the field, took notice of her and when they communicated, he promised her. He said, listen, we have seen how that you have honored your mother-in-law and you are faithful may the Lord thy God may the Lord thy God take knowledge of this and recompense to thee a great reward for your faithfulness he even charged some of his men leave something in the field for her a little bit extra and she would find a little bit extra in the field but in the third chapter of the book book of Ruth I want to mention this just real quickly because I think it sets for us a picture of how God can bless us when Ruth when Boaz and Ruth when they had come together in the moment that Ruth had asked that she redeem redeem her household Naomi's household by marrying her when she had come to the threshing floor that night in the morning when she's about to go back to Naomi the Bible says that Boaz said don't go back to Naomi empty handed remember the veil that you covered yourself when you came to the threshing floor bring that here and the Bible says that they came and they poured grain in the veil and in that moment she's carrying the veil in that moment it's pressed down Come on now, it's not that half bag or that bag of uh, half that's half full of chips that was sold. God says it's pressed down, shaken together, and running over. God takes notice of your faithfulness and you begin to learn to give in both tithes and offerings. And when you begin to function according to a biblical pattern, I believe with all my heart God will give recompense to his faithful. I do believe that. I hope you do as well. But my job as your pastor is to keep just reminding you of the Word of God to study to see the spirituality of your faithfulness in giving to develop this in your heart as I said last week you have to become fully persuaded in your own mind and that's why I said to you I believe in my heart the principle of the tithe I believe in that principle I believe it is unique to the body of Christ the world doesn't understand it the world doesn't understand how you can have an economic downturn in your region but you're still faithful to tithe they don't understand how that you honor these principles and you say well why is this because the Bible says that God chooses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise it proves the faithfulness of God and it proves the sincerity of our faith before God and it is the key to unlocking many of the blessings that God has for us Come on, isn't that true today? And I said last week, I know I've already said it, but I believe that it is the responsibility as we receive tithes and offerings and us pastors have to grow and and mature in this area, but it is for provision for pastors. But it's not only provision for pastors, it is for itinerating ministries, ministries that don't have a local church like I do that supports them. They need support as well, from ministries like our own Dr. Brasfield or to an evangelist like Ronnie Freeman who will be with us next week it is our responsibility because we're going to receive of their spiritual gifts to sow the blessing back into their lives i believe in sowing and reaping to which i'll allude in a moment but it's also for missions to which i'll be talking more of next week but one thing i want to make notice i want to draw your attention to today is you and i need confidence that the leaders of our fellowship are honorable I read a book the last 10 days in devotion about restoring integrity in pastoral ministry in America today and about pastors and leaders restoring financial integrity because there has been some abuse in the body of Christ that's created a lot of uh, skepticism in men and women's minds concerning financial issues. But I want to encourage you today that we as leaders, we need our faith walk and our belief system. We need to walk in the favor of God on our lives and we need to exhibit it in front of you. There are times even that we have to be a little bit transparent. I'm going to be a little bit transparent today. I do want to remind you of the passage that I made notice of earlier, that the Lord has ordained it uh, that in, the, in the kingdom of God. Those that, live of the, uh, that preach the gospel, they live of the gospel. But I did note last week that the apostle Paul, being a foundation apostle, most of the time he refused to accept the support of a local church. Because he didn't want to do anything that would disrupt the, 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 the development of that newly founded church. He was a foundational apostle. Now, he didn't refuse all support. We're going to look at a passage of Scripture in just a moment. But his heart was to have accountability in ministry giving. And I want to go to this passage here if we can in 2 Corinthians. Let me put you in the context for just a moment in this passage because I want to just a moment I'm going to be just a little bit transparent because there's something special about today that I'll talk to you about in just a moment in 2nd Corinthians chapter 8 it's verses 18 through 22 now last week we spent our time in 1st Corinthians 9 and slightly in 2nd Corinthians 8 I shared with you I understand the difference of the two situations or the, uh, the, of the uh, circumstances that Paul is addressing towards giving in the first he's addressing and giving to ministry excuse me 1st Corinthians 9 in 2nd Corinthians 8 and 9 he is addressing the church at Corinth joining with the churches of Macedonia to support the, the poor saints that are in Jerusalem Paul will soon journey to Jerusalem he has sent Titus ahead to the church at Corinth to ask them to give in this special benevolent offering but he's not just sent Titus alone he sent Titus with another brother that there might be accountability there needs to be accountability established in the church. There needs to be accountability as pastors and leaders in the way and the means that we handle the resources that God has given to us. Let me tell you, it wasn't that it was several years ago that we, we did an audit here at First Assembly and we put in a real sound system of handling the resources and making sure and you elect the deacons that join with me and we review the giving and we review the resources and where it's going and, and, and hopefully and prayerfully make good decisions and use God's money because we want to be faithful stewards we don't want to be a part that abuses the resources that are given to us or that are committed into our hands in this 18th verse he said i'm reading from here off of my page you're reading from the screen we have sent with him we have sent with titus a brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches and not that only but who was also chosen of the churches to travel with us this grace which is administered by us to the glory of the same lord and declaration of your Ready mind. Avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance which is administered by us. Paul is concerned about the way this offering is taken up. He's concerned about it in transition and he wants to make sure there's accountability when he arrives in Jerusalem that it is dispersed properly because he said this providing for honest things not only in the sight of the Lord but also in the sight of men. As pastors and as your pastor, I want to be somebody that handles the resources that God commits to this fellowship through your faithful giving I want to be somebody that you can trust and say you know what that our motive is never to manipulate you our motive is to never to coerce you and our motive is never to abuse you in this area but to challenge you and teach you and instruct you and encourage you and then when resources are committed we want to use them in wisdom and handle them with accountability come on somebody so that we can know that God because i'm telling you to whom much is given much is required but you got to be faithful in a little before god will make you a master over many and the principles that you function by in your life we got to function by as a fellowship and we got to be responsible stewards and we got to have business skills and business life uh, uh you know uh, uh principles that we use in handling the resources that are committed unto us And I want to take for just a moment of time to tell you just, I know I've done this in days gone by, but I I just felt led to share just a little bit of personal testimony for you today because today is a very special day real quickly in the life of the Brown family. Now, listen, I want you to know today, I believe that God wants to bless ministry. I do. I believe that. There was a time in the church, this is a cool jacket right here. I know it really doesn't match my shoes or my britches. But I'm going somewhere with this real quickly. But, you know, there was a time in the church that they said about the church, God, you keep our pastor humble and we'll keep him poor. But that's not the way God intended. God intended for God's ministers to be blessed. Come on, to have more than enough. Because only out of more than enough do we have the ability to be a blessing. And I've had ups and downs. One thing I saw in my life years gone by, I saw God's favor upon the first church that I pastored. As our church grew and as God added blessing to our church, when me and Sherry became the pastors at Maranatha Assembly in 1996, the previous three months, the total giving was $6,000. It averaged $2,000. A month. When we left our last year, the previous year the total given was $167,000 And while we were pastoring there. So God blessed our small fellowship and we grew and we developed and I had to develop and I've shared with you the story about the snow cone before. And I told you the story about how I was at walking in the fullness of blessing and I was struggling and, and to, to get some things right in my own mind and we had saved up money to go on our vacation and the children were small and we were at Branson, Missouri, it's at at Silver Dollar City, and I was in a long line of snow cones, and and I was trying to make sure that I had enough money for the kids to have uh, everybody a snow cone, and something shifted inside of me because I felt grief in my heart, and I said, God, this is not right. This is not right. I've committed my life to preach the gospel. I've committed my life to take the gospel around the world, and I'm struggling to make sure that my kids get a snow cone. Something's not right, and I went back to Maranatha, and I began to pray and I began to call upon the name of God that whatever poverty had hindered whether it was in my mind or whether it was a curse of the devil it didn't matter I began to bind it and pray and say God put me in an environment to change and to learn and I asked our church to send me to a pastor's uh, conference that year it happened to be Rod Parsley's church at World Harvest Church in Columbus, Ohio and the first night there they began to talk about special offerings and and that they would say they would have a special offering and sow it into world Harvest church, and it would be a seed faith like offering sowing and reaping type thing and and as I was there, I, I believed in the principle, but in my heart, I wanted to sow it into my pastor i didn 't feel like Rod was my pastor, I was there to get something good at the revelation, but I, I just didn 't do it and I, I came home and I, I prayed about it, and I talked to our board about it and i said let 's do something. We were going to have a we were going to have a building program started. We wanted to make about $25,000 of of building improvements at our church. We didn't have the resources. We had talked about borrowing money. I said let's do something different. Let's practice sowing and reaping. Pastor Larry Burton at MacArthur Assembly of God in Jacksonville is in the middle of a building program. What we'll do is we'll take up an offering next week. We'll take that offering down to them and we'll sow it into that other church because we believe in the principle of sowing and reaping. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying today? I can remember it. And so me and Sherry had about, uh, about seven or eight $800 in our, all of our bank accounts. Everything, it sounds like a lot of bank accounts, that meant like savings, that meant under the pillow, that meant that if we had to shake the kids this piggy bank, that's where we're at. But Sherry and I, am just telling you, this is my moment to be clear before you. I wrote a $500 check. That was my part. I wrote a $500 check and I sewed it into that offering. Now, oddly enough, I don't know, I didn't tell anybody. I was just like everybody else. I was just adding my, uh, my offering. Now, God in His great grace to me the next week somebody out of the blue gave me my seed back exactly to the t i don't know why but god is faithful we took up that day eight thousand dollars at maranatha assembly of god with about 60 to 80 people in attendance that sunday morning eight thousand dollars and we carried it and we sold it into the church at Mar- macarthur assembly in jacksonville because God's a faithful God, and we were a blessing to that church. And it blessed giving in that church, but it also added God's blessing to our church. And then we did our $25,000 repair and renovation to our building debt-free. We didn't borrow a penny. We accomplished it as people, through their faithfulness, added to, the, to what was going on, and God kept us out of debt, thank God. But in my own life, I'm still working this thing out. But I'm telling you, God who is so faithful and that God can use even devastating things to change your perception of who he is and what he wants to do in your life. And 15 years ago to this day, right here, January the 10th, 2001, I was at a board meeting at my church on a Wednesday night at Maranatha Assembly. Sherry had already taken the kids home and in the middle of the board meeting the phone rang. It was one of my kids crying and screaming. Our house was on fire. Mom had gone into the house to save the dog. Tell Sherry, not a good decision. Thank God God kept her safe and she didn't get backdraft on that particular day. But the, as the firemen came, they, we had bought this was our first house. Our, we had never purchased a home up until that time Uh, we had been married for around 15 years uh, and this was our first home and the firemen would put the fire out and it would come back the firemen would put it out and it would come back and before it was all sitting down it was this all said and done it was a giant inferno a giant inferno that just i can't tell you it was it was it was a horrifying in the sight of the flame just the flame and so, me and my wife and our six children we didn 't have anything but the clothes on our back that particular day. But when that happened, out of tragedy came the grace of God. out of tragedy came the kindness of god 's people i didn 't know about insurance claims or funds or anything like that. Lewis Lee from Heber Springs called me the next morning, already heard about it, brought me five thousand dollars of my policy to buy clothes for my kids. I had never had five thousand dollars in my life. I, I thought i had won the lottery people all across the area began to bless our family people began to give us resources and junk let me caution you when somebody's in tragedy don't bring them junk because they don't need it come on somebody take that on down and get rid of it another way don't bless them with junk you're just adding more trouble to their life i didn't have a home Where was I? I didn't need all that stuff. I just needed time, and I needed the favor of God. But people were faithful. Churches were faithful. Remember that check that I I gave to MacArthur Assembly? I got a check in the mail for $6,000, not written to Maranatha Assembly of God, but to written to Pastor Lee Brown. I'm telling you, God watches over. God is faithful. God is faithful. But with that let me say this the reason I got this jacket on is the next day the young man that was helping with our youth named Eric Perry some of you know him Shane knows him well he came to my house with a box of clothes and it was good stuff and this super cool top gun jacket was in the box <laughs> and I still have it to this day I've carried a lot of wood in with it and I've, I don't wear it it's just put up in my closet It's too hot to wear in here today but it's a reminder of the faithfulness of God's people it's a reminder of the faithfulness of God to me and to my family and what began to happen over that process is the way that I handled money began to change because resources began to come into my life that I'd never handled before and I had to change my perception of those resources and I realized the only difference between a thousand dollars and a hundred dollars is a zero and the only difference between $1,000 and $10,000 is a zero. Come on, somebody. And it's about me just handling the blessing and the resources of God. And through that process, and I know I've told you this before, but churches began to send uh, resources to a pastor of five chil- or six children and bless their family. And through that process, I remember the day that my my, I didn't even know I was insured other than to just pay off the, the indebtedness of the home. I had no idea. Never done that before. And then I found out that I had $93,000 of content insurance. All right. And I can remember the day, about six months later, because it took a long time, when I went to the mailbox, and I opened the mailbox door, or the, the, the flap, and I pulled out a check from State Farm, they had minus the $5,000 that they had gave me at the beginning, and I opened a check for $88,000. You ever done that? That was a Jesus moment. That was a Shataka. You see a moment right there. But with that, let me say this. I thank God for the thing, but what was happening, it wasn't the money. It was the change in me that was taking place. It was my perception. It was God's faithfulness. What we've done with that until this time is we have hid that money in equity and homes. So if you come to my house today, my house is bigger than the resources of my, of my, meaning of this right here, just real quickly. As the pastor and the very good salary, I'm so thankful to receive at First Assembly. But if you come you say, Pastor, this is a nice house. It is a nice house, but it goes back to 15 years ago. Fifteen years ago in a fateful moment when the God who is, come on somebody, Jehovah-Jireh, showed once again that he was my provider. I know he was your provider. I know he was somebody else's provider. But on that faithful day, God became my provider. And he met my need and he met the need of my family. And so today, I want to close with reading a passage of Scripture that I believe in today. I believe in I believe in some transparency there. And I just wanted you to know just a little bit of my journey. God was so good and kind and gracious and faithful to me during that time and since that time I've seen seasons just like everybody else I've seen seasons up and seasons of down I've seen highs and lows I've seen times of much abundance and I've also seen times of black but at the same time I've found God to be faithful and my confidence from that moment till this day has not wavered because God proved himself for me on that particular situation. Let's go in closing today to the book of Philippians. And let's read this collectively together. A few verses of scripture. For the apostle Paul here. And I'm wary of the time. And I'm aware of it. But I wanted to share that with you on this fateful day. It meant something to me. It may have not meant anything to you. But it being the 15th year anniversary of that night for our family. It still meant something to me. In Philippians the 4th chapter. In the ninth verse, why did I mention those things to you? Look at what Paul said here, the fourth chapter, the ninth verse of the book of Philippians. He said, those things which you have both learned, sometimes you have to make your own self the example. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying today? He said, which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Seasons of sacrifice, commitment, God helped us, resources committed unto our lives. The reason why I wanted to mention to you that I had those resources, Sherry and I did not squander those resources. I did not go out and buy new clothes or new car. We didn't head to Tunica to try to make more. We sold it into the house we were building a house i said god if i got this money i might as well build a house so so we built a house and we hid that equity i wore clothes from dollar general i wore clothes that people have given me i still got the jacket that was given to me i, I didn't want to squander that money and those resources and you got to learn not to squander come on you want to walk in blessing it's more than just tithing you got to you got you got to walk in wisdom So I didn't squander those resources and I mentioned that to you because of the principle and he said the things that you have learned and seen and heard, Paul said, and seen in me do and the God of peace will be with you. What he's saying is if God can do it for me, he can do it for you. It was our tragedy that God turned to triumph. It was our stretching moment where I learned that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works within us. I feel the Holy Ghost right there. Let's read further. He said, now I rejoice. This is our closing text. We're only going to expound it before we pray. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. At the last, your care of me has flourished again. Wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Remember, Paul oftentimes turned down financial support from the local church. But here, the church at Philippi, he actually accepts help on their behalf. He said, not that I speak in respect of want. Listen to this principle. Every one of us need this in our heart, no matter what season you're in. He said, I have learned in whatever state I'm in therewith to be content. I know you know the 13th verse I can do all things through Christ Whom strengtheneth me It's on t-shirts It's on billboards It's on necklaces Uh, Come on it's on little wristbands uh, Like I have here today It's the most One of the most misquoted passages In the word of God The 13th verse makes no sense Without the 12th verse uh, Because the apostle said I know how to be abased Come on somebody And he said And I also know how to abase He said, everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. And so, therefore, Paul said, because I'm going through the ups and downs of life, the highs and lows, the times of triumph and the times of tragedy, the one thing I know, I can do all things through Christ, whom strengthens me. I can have times of abundance, I can have times of celebration and rejoicing at a bountiful harvest, but I can also go through times of lack and never lose my joy never lose my hope never lose my faith because I know God is faithful come on now that's better than y'all preaching in here today we need to be able to have some measure of contentment in my heart however notice this before we close today and I know I'm right on the edge of overtime but I can't apologize the doctrine is too great notwithstanding he can he blesses the church you have done well that you did communicate with my affliction I can tell you I didn't write a letter to every church that blessed me during that time of affliction but I want you to know I don't know if my voice mattered much in God's heavens or not but I can guarantee you I went into the altar of Maranatha Assembly of God and every church that sold the mine and shared its life if this squeaky voice preacher in the hill country of north central Arkansas 15 years ago had any merit in God's eternal kingdom let me tell you I prayed and said God what these people have done for me in in in, in quietness and in silence and in, and in the shadows God I pray you would reward them openly Paul the Apostle in this passage says you have done well and you help me in my affliction he said you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia there was no church that communicated with me as concerning what look at this giving and receiving how many of you know that is the method of God's blessings on our lives it's not just giving without receiving it's not receiving without giving We are blessed to be what? A blessing. If we pray for the favor and the financial blessings of God, it's not so that we can bury it in a hole somewhere and hoard it up it's so that we can be blessed to bless others come on somebody to help the gospel to go forth he said nobody participated in giving and receiving except for me remember my offering that I made it was giving and receiving he said even in Thessalonica when I was there preaching you sent once and not just once but a second time you took care of my necessity now look at the 17th verse you can judge my heart or not I don't know that's between you and God but i believe in the apostle's heart i believe it was pure my heart for teaching this is pure i'm not trying to just gather funds i'm not trying to take up a special offering today i'm not trying to do my desire he said i'm not desiring a gift i'm desiring fruit that may abound to your account because god watches over you your house your family and i want you to know that god has faithful scribes in heaven and when he sees your faithfulness when god sees your faithfulness it is pinned down It is pinned down, and one day it will be red in front of him again. And you may say, well, I haven't seen the blessing from that sacrificial giving. If you're still alive, God's not finished. God's not finished, and at any moment, at any time, when you least expect it, God can shift. And he can move something from here over to there and provide abundantly for you and your household because it is. Come on, look at this. He said, I desire not a gift, I desire fruit that may abound to what? To your account. God has a register in heaven and he is keeping account of your faithfulness in honoring the people of God or the ministry or the pastoral leadership or your giving of your tithes and offerings. And so the apostle then said, I have all and abound, I am full. I've received of Epaphroditus the things which you've sent. It was an odor. Notice this. Remember what I said in 1 Corinthians 9 or when I quoted from 1 Corinthians 9 about akin to the law. Here he says this offering is more than just that. It is more than just a gift. It is an odor. It's the sweet smell of fragrance when you sow. Come on. It's the sweet smell of fragrance when you sow. You may think nothing of it. You walk to the front. It's a silver plate. You ride it out. It's a tithe. It's an offering. It's for pastoral support. It's for missionaries. It's for benevolence. It's for the food pantry. But what it is to God, it's the smell of a sweet sacrifice. Come on, it's the sweet sacrifice, and God is well-pleased. Look at this. It's well-pleasing to God. And lastly, but notice this verse. We're going to bring clarification before we pray in conclusion today. But my God. Paul made this very personal. But my God, he's my God today. I don't know if he's your God, but he's my God today. This principle that's contained in this verse of Scripture is my God shall supply all of your need, not all of our greeds, not getting us out of uh, excessive living and poor choices. He will get you out, but it will be through a process of teaching you. But in this passage of Scripture, the need that God promised to meet was the need that was created when they sowed. Come on, think about it with me. Paul is saying God is going to meet your need according to his riches and glory through who? Through Christ Jesus. What need? The need that was created when you gave. And if you have not learned the principle of sowing and reaping, and you don't create the need... Through giving, God is not obligated. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying today? Amen. But when you create the and you believe reaping principle of to fulfill His word, He will then meet your need according to His riches in glory through Christ Jesus. God will, I believe, give seed to the sower, bread to the eater, and what will He do? He'll multiply your seed sown. I believe you'll walk with a confidence, a favor. If you are consistently giving in tithes and offerings, let me tell you as we prepare to close and as I am going to bring it to a moment of prayer at the end here today. Let me say this to you today. I believe that as you work this out in your own salvation and you really begin to understand principle, I know, let me tell you this my financial situation did change 15 years ago. It did. That's just the God's honest truth. But more than my situation, my theology changed. Who I am changed. My perception of God's willingness and his ability to meet my need changed. Come on, somebody. I now pray with the confidence, God, you made me the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. I'm blessed in the storehouse, the field, and the basket. I'm blessed to leave an inheritance to my children's children. Come on, somebody. I'm blessed to be a blessing. God, give me seed and I'll sow it. Come on, you're asking for seed, but sometimes you eat your seed in time of need. But only when you sow your seed in time of need can God add his favor and give recompense to your life. So the principles of this word today, they are unchanged no matter of season and situation. It's up to us to receive the word and walk in the truth of the word of God and allow God to do his part. So today I want to ask you to stand up with me as I close. This is the second of a three-part series of messages that I'm giving to you concerning the proper handling of God's resources. And I believe and I know, here's the difficulty of being a pastor. Every week when you come to the house of God, we have all kinds of different situations that are present. And I can't always minister exactly to the situation in life that you're in that week because it's too varied. Right? But as I pray and I ask the Lord, I trust that if we just fill the cup up, it's going to run over. Just fill the cup up and it's going to run over. Whether you're in this season where you're thinking about these things or not, that's not the issue. They're a part of who you are. Come on, this is a part. Some of you have tried to avoid it. Some of you have tried to rationalize giving and receiving away. You've tried to, you've tried to justify a lack of participating for various reasons. And ultimately, you got to arrive. I love you enough to tell you the truth. You got to arrive at a place where you hide the word in your heart and you learn to create need through giving, not just through circumstances of life. Create need through giving and you obligate God to fulfill his word. Man, that's good right there. That's as good as anything you'll get on the believer's voice. Network or TBN or Daystar. Come on, somebody, it's the truth today, and it doesn't matter about what church we are or who we are. This is God's word, and we have to work out our salvation as we apply it to our heart. My responsibility to you as a pastor is to just join my faith with yours. Here's what I'm going to do today. Now, if you're learning the principle of sowing and reaping, I'm just going to pray with you. I don't go. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, you know, in some type of coercion of like confession. I've not been given, so, you know, I'll get your hand up and then I'll have your heads bowed and then I'll say, everybody look around, you got your hand up. You're like, <laughs> not going to do that. Not going to do that, but I am praying. I'm praying for you that you grow in your knowledge. Come on, and your confidence. I mean that. Growing in your confidence. But number two, if you're faith, you say, Pastor, I've been faithful. I need God to do something special. I have a need in my life, and I know part of that need was created through giving. I want you to be courageous enough to come to the front, and we want to pray with you today. Just collectively, briefly. This morning, I know it's about 12, 15, I understand that. But you can just say, Pastor, I have been faithful, and I'm in a season in my life. I just need God's help and His handiwork. I need Him to just show. I need Him to do something special in my life today. I want you to have the courage right now, no matter who you are. I know it's late, but just quickly come to the front and I'll just join my faith with yours today, this morning in the name of Jesus.